Second Samuel chapter 15. Last week we were looking at bearing the scruples of the weak. We saw that I'm going to walk in such a way as to believe that God will bring the people around me that I need. That the people around me are able to support and help. That I am not alone. That God is making me stronger and that I can think and speak as one who believes the best in others. This is something you have to make an active decision to do. And we're looking today at a situation that David was in, in which he needed to walk this way. The time to build support, if you want to build your support team, the time to build your support team is when you don't need it. But boy, is it ever hard to plan ahead, right? seems that we don't always do the things we need to do to build our support team, but when we need the support team, we want to, we want it to be there. Here in 2 Samuel 15, let's begin reading here at verse 1. And after this it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now we're just kind of jumping in the middle here of Absalom. We did look at this once last, last year. Uh, it was a little over a year ago we were looking at this. We were looking at more from the rebellion side. And uh, we're looking at uh, something different. Because in this chapter and the chapter to come, we see more things about friendship and support than you will see in most chapters. And we didn't really look at that the last time we went through this, so we're going to spend some time and take a look at that aspect of it. We already covered the rebellion part, and so we don't really need to, to uh, go over that part of it again. Verse 2. Now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate, so it was whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call to him and say, What city are you from? And he would say, Your servant is from such and such a tribe in Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that I were made a judge in the land, and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me. Then I would give him justice. And so it was, whenever anyone came near to bow down to him, that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted toward all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Now they're here at the gate. The city gate, this is where the elders of the city would gather for justice. This was a meeting place. At the palace is where they would come to the king for matters that they would refer to him. So down over here at the gate, you would have a meeting. You would get some, uh, the, the elders would be able to take care of most of these matters if it required more uh, uh, more authority, something more than they had, then they would refer it up to the king and it would go on up to there. So this is why Absalom is out here by the gate, not just to get everybody else to come into the city, but this is some of the things that would go on here at the gate for these people during this time. In Proverbs 21.2, you are familiar with this verse, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. That goes for Christian and non-Christian alike. That goes for spirit-filled and non-spirit-filled believer alike. You name it. Any person out there, what they did, they did for the right reasons. Very seldom do you find people who say, Oh, I should not have done that. Now, you can certainly use yourself as an example of this. How many people have ever had somebody pull out in front of them? And they're always in the wrong, aren't they? Isn't every time they pull out in front of us, aren't they in the wrong? Aren't they nuts? Aren't they, we, we, you know, stupid? Oh, you stupid person, don't you? Know? <laughs> don't, don't we do that? 
And yet, how many times have we also pulled out in front of people? But when we did it, we were right. When they did it, they were wrong. There is never a time that I can remember for myself that I've had somebody pull out in front of me and said, Oh, I am glad they did that. I don't know if they would have gotten out if they hadn't gotten pulled out in front of me and caused me to force my brakes on real quickly. No, we get upset because we have been wrong. But if we are in the situation where we need to floor it and head out, then, you know, we're, we're right. Every man's way is right in his own eyes because we did it. And we have to understand this is Bible. This is what the Bible says. No matter what, when I look at my situation, I am right. And that's why it's so hard to change, and that's why disputes rise up, and that's why we have problems between people. Because it is very difficult for us to step back and say, wait a minute, maybe I wasn't right in this. Maybe I should have changed something. But the Bible says every man's way is right in his own eyes. Now what Absalom is doing is he is capitalizing on that thought. And so as soon as the person comes in, he wants to start hearing the case here. With the, He's not one of the elders, but he wants to pretend to be one. And he's using his position as a king's son to throw around some, some weight here. And so he comes on over, tell me your case. And they would tell me, oh, well, you were, you know what? If I was a judge, I would decide for you right now. Be weary of anyone who will decide for you without hearing the other side. Just understand there's no depth to them. You need people that have some depth. You need some people who will sometimes say, well, why did you do that? What were you thinking? You kind of slap you around a little bit. Because sometimes we need that. If we, want to, if we want something to really get fixed, I need somebody to say, you know, maybe you shouldn't have done it that way. Maybe you should have changed this a little bit. But this is what he's doing. And it says in the Bible, whenever anyone. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if the, if the person was guilty of all sorts of uh, nasty things. It didn't matter. As long as he heard their case, he wants to win them over. Basically, put it this way. He wants their vote. Now, they didn't have elections, but if they did, he's trying to get their vote. He wants them on their side, and he'll sell anything he's got in order to get it. He wants everybody loving Absalom because he realized there was a weakness in his father's kingdom. David was strong in a lot of areas, but apparently the judicial area was, uh, was an area of weakness, and there were some things getting through. And some people's cases were not being heard as quickly or the people that were judging them weren't doing as good of a job. There was some kind of a flaw there. He saw it and decided to exploit it. Now, the brains behind his outfit was Ahithophel. Ahithophel saw this as, a, as an opportunity, and he is probably the one who told Absalom to exploit it. And so he began to sit out there. And they, this, was, this was not something they just did in a short period of time. They took their time with this. The Word of God says 40 years, but if you look at your margin, you will find out that most margins will tell you that should really read four. They did this over a four-year period. That's a long time to be stewing over matters. Absalom is mad at how his father dealt with his, his, steps, his sister and the stepbrother and the things that had gone on there. He was very mad that should not have gone on this way. He was still very angry and 
he felt like justice needed to be served. Absalom had gotten to the point that the only justice that he was going to be happy with was his father's death. He needed to die. He's not trying, as, as far as I can tell, we get to heaven, we may find out something different, but as far as I can tell, he does not want to kill his father so he can take the throne. He does want to take the throne, but that's not why he wants to kill his father. He wants to kill his father because he feels that his father has gotten away with too much stuff and justice needs to come down upon him. And since the Lord's taken an awful long time to get this done, we're just going to go in there and help him out. So he's, uh, he's stepping in to, to do this. Now, Ahithophel, if you've been around here for a while, you, you'll know this. If, if not, maybe this is new to you. But Ahithophel is the brains behind it. And Ahithophel is the grandfather of Bathsheba. So Ahithophel is mad and upset because of what David has done to destroy his granddaughter's family. Getting her pregnant, killing off the, the husband, taking her in, in marriage afterwards, making her part of the harem. Uh, he still continued to go on, but he's looking for an opportunity to get back at David. He, he is angry. He is mad at what what David has done, but he knows it doesn't do any good to show everybody that you're mad. we got to plan something out. And so he sees when Absalom comes back, here's an opportunity. Absalom's mad at him. I'm mad at him. We can, uh, we can do some things. He may have even sold him on the fact that God's behind this, God's in it. Maybe he didn't even have to go that way. But it says that Absalom stole the hearts of the people. If the people's hearts could be stolen, you better understand your heart could be stolen too. People can do things and win you over. And people who have no substance can portray themselves as having substance, win you over to the point where you begin to depend on them for support. And then you get let down. So Absalom stole the hearts of the people. He was not acting truthfully. He was acting hypocritically becoming what they want him to be. He knew what they wanted. He knew how they wanted him to behave. And he's going to become that for them. Most times, people are afraid of the truth. We don't always want the truth. A lot of times, just, just don't tell me the truth. Just tell me what I want to hear. Just tell me what I need to hear. Just tell me that this is going to be okay. Just tell, just tell, me, that, uh, you know, tell me the car is a good car. Don't tell me it's a lemon. You, know, you take it to the report, to, to the guys to get something fixed on it. Don't tell me it's a bad car. Don't tell me I bought a bad car. Tell me it's a good car. I don't want the truth. <laughs> I'd rather have the lie. Sometimes people are that way. And Absalom is willing to give them a lie. I think I put it in your outline. Deception is always a tool used by those who need people in numbers to empower their objective. This is nothing new. People today still need the numbers of people to power their objectives. And they deceive people to get there. There's a lot of times that the news will get behind this, politicians will get behind this, and they will tell you that 70% of the people think this, and they know that is not the case. But if they can get you to think that 70% of the people think this, do this, go this way, then you'll feel pressure and you don't want to be part of the 30%. So they'll start to bring more people on, on over. 
and begin to sway things. And uh, it's, don't, don't believe this news media. I said it 20, 30 years ago. I still say it today. Don't believe them. But they're worse now than they were before. Whatever they say, whatever they say, if you hear it from the news, whatever they say, believe something different. Just believe the opposite. Because more than likely, the opposite is true. Now, I know that Maxine trial is going on. Uh, I don't remember the name. Of course, they won't air it because they don't want all the stuff that's going on in there to come out. And I think they're going to have a hard time keeping it all on the wrap, but they are doing a, a decent job. But I heard this come out, and somebody who, who did so, uh, you know, they presented it to me, so I was able to hear more of the whole story. How many heard that, uh, that Bill Clinton was in on the, the plane? Anybody know how many times? 26. Most people got that one down. Some of those flights were to the island where all this stuff was going on. Did you all hear that President Trump was on the plane? Yep, President Trump was on the plane. Now they just left it at that. They let you put together the rest of it. Because they didn't want you to know that first off, President Trump was not on the plane to go to the island. It was something that rich people apparently do a lot where they jump planes. My plane's in the shop, can I fly with yours to get over to here? <clears throat> he never flew over to the island. Did they also tell you that sometime after that flight, he barred him from his clubs? He would not let him come into his clubs anymore. He barred him from them. He saw something wasn't right. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that Trump is a righteous man. and I'm not trying to do that at all. What I'm trying to show you is the news media will pitch anything to get you to believe a certain way. Whatever they try and sell you, believe the opposite. And then go and try and prove whatever it is that's right. If you, if you don't care, then just let it go. But don't take anything they say. Anything. I don't trust them on the weather. They disappoint me many, many times, but I don't trust them on the weather. I, if, if something's going on, something was going on down in New Orleans some time ago, and I didn't, I didn't trust their reports. I called a friend of mine out there in New Orleans. Hey, what's going on? How you doing? And he let me know what was going on in the city, what was happening down there, and, uh, and I got the first-hand report. On, on what was going on from somebody who was actually there. Cause I don't trust them. I don't believe a word they say. They've been caught in so many lies. Don't let those lies get into you. This is what Absalom is doing. He's selling people on lies to pull them over to his side. He's not acting truthfully. He doesn't care if he gets caught. He doesn't care if he gets caught in a situation. Well, I told this person I believe their case, and I also told the person on the other side I believe their case. Because he figures he can lie his way out of that too. These people do not care about others. They try to make them think so, but they don't care about others. Once the people are no longer useful, they cast them off. They're gone. Now it came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said, four years it should be, Absalom said to the king, please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I've made to the Lord. For your servant took a vow while I dwelt at Geshur in Syria, saying, if, a, if the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. Now, Geshur is, a, is the hometown of Ahithophel. And the king said to him, go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And when Absalom went 200 men 
And with Absalom went 200 men invited from Jerusalem, and they went along innocently and did not know anything. Then Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, from Gil- Gilo. <coughs> I'm sorry, that was... He was from, from, from Gilo. Now, Gilo, that's, a, that's a real close to Hebron. It's just, I believe it's just a little bit south of where Hebron is. But it's not more than, um, I think, if I remember the mileage, about five, five miles or so from the city of Hebron. <clears throat> and the conspiracy grew strong for the people with Absalom continued increased, for the people with Absalom continually increased in number. Now, I have a, a note there about a tie, but a tie comes later. I copied that into the, wrote that down in the wrong spot. So let me uh, bypass a tie. We'll get back to him. But people, I put this in your outline for you. People who harbor anger, wrongs done against them, self-righteousness, and such feelings of the flesh nature can and will lie to anyone to gain the greater good. Anyone that will harbor, not just experience these feelings, I'm talking about take these feelings, harbor. Harbor, they give them a safe place to dwell. When you have a harbor, you have a place that protects the ships from the waves, from the, the uh, rough tide that would come in. It protects them. It, reg- it uh, restricts how the waves can come in. That's what a harbor is for. When these people harbor these feelings, they are protecting the anger. They are protecting the self-righteousness. They are protecting all these bad feelings they have on the inside. They're keeping them safe inside. They are purposely guarding them. They don't let them be seen all the time, that they always make sure that they're there. When they do that, if this is what they are walking in, you could go through countless people in the Bible, but you can also go through people in your own life. These people will lie at the drop of a hat for the greater good. For the greater good. Well, we have to get this done. We have to get this accomplished. And so this is what we will, we will do. You will see this very often with politicians. I'm not saying all politicians. I'm saying that there's a lot of politicians that are sold out for something they consider to be the greater good and will lie, cheat, and steal to make sure that they can accomplish it because that greater good is more worthwhile than the bad the lies will bring. That's how convinced they are. Make sure you spot these people in your life. If you've got people that will harbor these things, they are not going to be someone that you ought to depend on Someone that you want to put on your support team. And I'm not saying don't associate with them. Kick them out of your life. I'm not saying you can't do that. You've got to try and be in there and help them out. But just know if they are harboring these kind of feelings on a regular basis, they keep these things in, they store them up, they keep going back 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, this happened. Absalom is going back to what David did before. Ahithophel is going back to what David did before. They're harboring it. They're making sure that it stays there, that it's in a safe spot. No one can undo this. This is what we will continue to believe. This is what we think. When we become capable of doing that, we are also capable of lying for anything we consider to be a good cause. So in the end, many people come to Absalom to help him out. They come to his side, but they are there for what they can get. If they can't get what they want, then they're done. Absaloms, I made that plural because there are many Absaloms in the world. 
not just him. Absalom's will spiritually harvest as little as they have spiritually sown, though in the flesh it appears differently. When you look at people that are Absalom's, these are people that seem to have a godly character, have a godly cause, seem to be putting themselves in a line for godly things. They seem to be. But they've harbored all these feelings. They've harbored all this anger. They've harbored all this self-righteousness. They've harbored all this stuff on the inside of them. When they do this, it will seem like they have received a harvest. It will seem like things are going good. It is a flesh harvest. They've sown in the flesh. They have not sown in the spirit. They will not reap a spiritual harvest because they have not sown a spiritual harvest. If you are going to get good support people, people that are going to help you out, you need people that have sown spiritually, not fleshly. That's what I need. I need people that have sown in the Spirit. The stronger those supports are, the less of them you need. But you need some. Now, we haven't gotten to the good spot here. This is just setting the stage. Verse 13. Now a messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. So David said to all his servants who were with him in Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest they overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us, and strike the city with the edge of the sword. The king's servant said to the king, We are your servants, ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. So the, the king's servants, apparently this is all of them, we're not told that half of them, Three-quarters of them, most of them, the king's servants. They said, we're ready. We'll do whatever you want. Then the king went out with all his household after him. How much? All his household went with him. They all left the comfort of the palace to go out with David. But the king left ten women, concubines, to keep the house. Now think about this for, for just a moment. He's got, of course, hundreds but he took ten of the women, not the wives. He didn't get wives. He got people that uh, we didn't go through all the ritual of getting married. And uh, we just, we're just there living with David. And so he took ten of them. And he said, look, we're all getting out of here. I'm paraphrasing this. We're all getting out of here because it's dangerous. But I want you to stay and keep the vacuum going. Dust every now and then. Sweep up the floors. Uh, you know, some mud gets tracked in. Uh, get out there, you know, clean that up. Keep the dishes uh, going. Keep the bed sheets washed. Stuff like that. They're there to keep the house. <laughs> How do you approach these ten women on this, this level? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're all going. Uh, you don't need to pack it back. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to stay right here. Really? Uh you don't think Absalom will be upset with us? Oh, no, 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 no. He, he'll be fine. You'll be, everything will be good. How does he sell this? Now, of course, they don't have a whole lot of choice uh, in the matter. Uh, but still, I, I just wonder, what's David thinking when he comes back? How receptive are those women going to be to him? And, and I don't know. But we all know what happened to the ten if you have read ahead in the story in the past. Where do we leave off at? Verse 16. 
And the king went out with all the people after him and stopped at the outskirts. Then all his servants passed before him and all the Cherethites and all the Pelethites and all the Gittites, 600 men who had followed him from Gath, passed before the king. So it seems that his 600 men stayed intact. And they're not going anywhere. Then the king said to Atai, the Gittite, Why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king. This is not a tie of the 600. There isn't a tie in that group. This is a different one. Why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king, for you are a foreigner and also an exile from your own place. In fact, you came only yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today? Since I go, since I, go I know not where. Return and take your brethren back. Mercy and truth be with you. And Atai answered the king and said, As the Lord lives and as my lord the king lives, surely in whatever place my lord the king shall be, whether in death or in life, even there also your servant will be. So David said to Atai, Go and cross over. Then Atai the Gittite and all his men and all the little ones who were with him crossed over. Now think about this. You just came to David. Just came. And as soon as you get there, everything bad breaks loose. Rebellion's out there. We got to flee. We got to get out of here. We're going to get killed. And you just got there. You just, you just arrived. Are you going to put your life on the line for somebody that you just got here with? Now, we'll, we'll take you back on a display because we're looking at support. We're looking at, at friendship. Have you ever met somebody and in the first instance of meeting them, you knew there was depth there. You knew this person was worthwhile. You knew you had a good friendship. You knew there was good conversation that came out. You did more in one day friendship with that person than other people you've done in years. Anybody ever has, has stuff like that go on? Yeah, we, we got some people. Uh, just Oh, you just seem to be a camaraderie. You just seem to, to hit it off with them. This is probably what it's like for David and Atai, which is going to tell us a little bit about the personality of Atai. He's got men under him, and he leads them much the same way that David does. And when he got in there with David, he saw how David was with his men. He saw how David was with his household. He says, I know why he's doing that. It's exactly what I do. I don't see too many people who do that with their people. But David's doing that. Ah. Like he saw enough in one day that he said, I'm not leaving this guy. This guy's even better than I am. I got to learn from him. Wherever he goes, I'm going. And in one day, he made that decision. Now, I'll even follow you to death. That's how convinced he was. Now, there's other people that you have met, and in less than the span of a day, you have decided, I do not want to see them again. I don't want to have friendship with them. I don't want to hang out with them. You have already decided. You can make that decision pretty quickly. And Atai is ready to put his life on the line for David. Do not think that just because you have a friendship without a whole lot of time behind it, that friendship cannot help you and support you. It can. You can have some people you just met and have some great things going on with that. This is not the only instance that this happens, but this is just a, a glaring one. There's a lot of friendship stuff, a lot of support stuff that goes on in these chapters. Because David, right now, he needs it. He needs support. He needs help. And here is a tie we just met. But apparently, there was enough struck up. And David trusts him, too. 
Why does David bring him along? What if, what if he's a plant by Absalom? Could he not be thinking those things? Why does he just become suspicious of, of this? I mean, Absalom unleashed this whole plot over these four years, and David either didn't know it or didn't want to know it. How do I know that the tie's not in on this? And that I'm not bringing somebody in. But David trusted him. And David brought him along. And he was apparently beneficial and helpful. He had men that knew how to fight. Now his decision not to go back not only speaks about a tie, it also speaks about David. Because the tie saw something in David that said, I know I just met you, but I'll put my life on the line for you. Verse 23. And all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people crossed over. The king himself also crossed over the brook Kidron. Now, if all the country is weeping and they're sad, then not everybody is on Absalom's side. But he got the people on his side who had a court case, who had some kind of a dispute. So if you just kind of went through life and had no dispute, you had no reason for Absalom to win you over. He had no way to, to get in there, so he just left you alone. I don't need everybody. I just need a certain amount of ones. And there are some people who just seem to be in court all the time. You know people like that? I mean, it always seems like they're still in somebody. We had a neighbor like that for a while. And uh, they moved out. Glory to God, we had parties, party going on. <laughs> he was not directly next to us. Our neighbor was next to us, and boy, he would tell us the stories. This guy was always trying to sue somebody. He'd have somebody come out for work, and they would do work, and then he's going to sue them because they didn't do something right. Sue them. Not just ask them to come back and fix it. Sue them. Just always was suing somebody. You think, boy, you'd think that would get around the, the industry, and everybody would say, do not work for this man. And the funny thing is, he was a Christian, and was supposed to be high up in the leadership of whatever church he was at. And we're just like, are you kidding me? Ah. <laughs> uh. He did not have a very good reputation around the area. So when he moved down to, I think he moved down to Florida, he and his family, no one was sad. But here the country wept with a loud voice and all the country, all the people crossed over. The king himself also crossed over the brook Kidron and all the people crossed over toward the way of the wilderness. There was Zadok also and all the Levites with him bearing the ark of the covenant of God. And they set down the ark of God, and the Abiathar went up until all the people had finished crossing over from the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Carry the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both it and his dwelling place. But if he says thus, I have no delight in you, here I am. Let him do to me as seems good to you. And the king also said to Zadok the priest, Are you not a seer? Return to the city in peace and your two sons with you. Ahimaz, your son, and Jonathan, the son of Beathar. See, I will wait in the plains of the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. Then Zadok and Abiathar carried the ark of God back to Jerusalem. They remained there. He has a long-standing relationship here with Zadok and Abiathar. Long-standing relationship. There's been many things that they have done, many things they have been through. He trusts them. They have a choice right now. We either go with David or we stay here with the new king. If they go with David, 
and David loses, they're dead. They put their life on the line. They know that. If they stay there in the city, they just stay around doing their job. David won't kill them when they come back. It was a risky move for them to come out here with David. They brought the ark. They went through all the procedures to bring the ark, and they brought the ark with them. We want the ark here with David more so than we want it here with Absalom. And David says, no, I appreciate the gesture. I appreciate you guys willing to come. But uh, no, go back. Go back. If the Lord, if I find faith with the Lord, I'll be back and I'll see the ark and I'll see you guys. Now, you listen for things that are going on. You hear in the spirit, whatever you hear in the spirit, whatever you hear going on in the city, you send word with your sons because I'm going to wait on word from you. See, David is leaning on them, on them. He needs support. He knows he can trust them. And you're going to hear things that I can't hear. I can't be here in the city. I have to leave. But you're going to hear things. God's going to speak things to you. Send word to me. I'm waiting. I'm going to wait in the wilderness for word from you. I want to hear. See, if you're going to have support people, you've got to trust them. You've got to put things in their hands and say, I'm trusting you. I need you to do it. And David did that with his men. That's why his men loved him. Because he would trust them. Here, here's the assignment. Go to it. And they would get it done. And they got it done because they, they knew it was important. And they knew it mattered. And they, were, they, they stayed in there. So Zadok, he goes on back. And he does what David has, has said. Let's see, verse, verse uh, 30. Uh, still looking for one other verse. I want to see if we skipped it over. No, I don't think we did. Let's go to the first 30. We'll find it. So David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up. And he had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up weeping as they went up. And someone told David, saying, Ahithophel was among the conspirators with Absalom. David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. This is, this is important to understand what's, what's going on here. How many times do you remember that I, as your pastor, have told you this, this one, one thing when you are believing God, do not believe God for a good report. How many times have you heard me say that? Do not believe God for a good report. If you believe God for a good report, you will fail because your faith is in the good report. It, it may not start off that way, but eventually your faith will be in the good report. And maybe not with you, but how many of you have heard people, they got a report from the doctor and the doctor came back and said, we found this. We saw this, and their faith went, shoo. Why? Because somehow their faith went from being faith in God to faith in a good report, thinking that a good report means my God is working. And a bad report means my God is not working. Do not ever believe God for a good report. Don't ask God in prayer. God, I need to have a good report on this. God, if I don't have a good report on this, I don't know what I'm going to do. Do not ask God for a good report. Do not believe God for a good report. Believe God for what he says to in his word. And do not care what the report says. 
How many of y'all like that song we used to sing? Uh, still, every once in a while, I do. Whose report will you believe? Yeah. Stop believing the bad report. <laughs> just, just laugh at the bad report. Well, you just don't know what's going on here yet. This is, this is what's going on. Believe the, believe the report of the Lord. That's what we got to do. We got to re- believe the report of the Lord. Now, I was talking with somebody, and um, I love talking with people. If they ask questions, when they ask questions, I've I've learned how to tap into the spirit to get an answer on it. And so as I was, they were telling me about about something and I was queued up to this story. So I'll share this with you now because I don't think I've shared this with anybody up up till then. When when the report comes about Ahithophel, how many would believe that's a bad report? And and when you hear about Ahithophel, Ahithophel, they said it's like the, the talking to God. It was like talking to God. That if you asked him counsel, his counsel was so solid, so good. If you followed it, if you did what he said, it would work. His counsel was that good. And David had him on his team. And he heard that Ahithophel is among the conspirators. Not that he just switched sides, but he's among the conspirators. He is one of the ones that helped put this together. Oh. That doesn't just mean he just joined his team. He's been with him all along. All these four years, this guy who's been my, my main counselor has also been counseling my enemy that I did not know was my enemy and telling him what to do. Now that could be, how many could appreciate, that could be devastating news. That could really set you back. And a lot of us, would, we could fall into despair. And we could say, oh, God, I, I thought maybe I'd get, I can't get out of this. This is, just, this is just too much. You know, when the doctor comes back and he gives you a report, well, this is what your situation is. Oh. And we just, oh, I, oh, I was believing God that this was going to change, and I guess it hasn't. If you've ever been in a situation like that, make sure you read the, or listen to that teaching by Keith Moore this week. Oh, I'll tell you, that was, that was good. Some little, little uh, advice he had for, for all that. Ahithophel is among the conspirators. He's among them. And David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Look at this prayer. This prayer is phenomenal. This prayer is short. This prayer is quick. This prayer is not filled with any complaints, any despair at all. But this prayer is filled with wisdom. I wish more Christians could pray like this. He does not say, turn Ahithophel against Absalom. He does not say, let Ahithophel have bad counsel. There's a lot of times that Christians are praying things that make no sense at all. I was listening to somebody, I forget who it was, but it was comical. Have you ever heard somebody, you know, they're, they're carrying something and they drop it and you hear shattering. You hear something crack. And you hear them, oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I pray. Oh, don't let it be broken. Don't let it be broken. It's like, you just heard it break. Faith is not denying what has happened. I don't have to deny what happened. No, something broke. 
Let's get in there. Let's, let's, uh, let's find a way to restore it. There's a lot of times that, that people want to, uh, in, in their body, oh God, I, uh, I pray, don't let this be. But you're feeling it. You know, maybe uh, you're out there and doing something and you felt like you broke a bone. Oh God, don't let it be broken. Oh God, don't let it be broken. And then if you get the report that it's broken, what happens? Faith just, it just sinks. Don't be doing that. Look at, look at what he prayed. He prays this. I love this prayer. I looked at this as a model prayer so many times. It's one sentence long. Most of us, if we're involved in this situation, we're praying for hours. Most of it's just to get some emotional relief. He prays one thing. Look at what he prays, and he chooses his word carefully. Dear Lord, if I get in a situation like David, I pray that I have as much wisdom and as much uh, calmness as David does in this situation. Look at it one more time. <clears throat> o Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. What he is saying here is this. Make his counsel appear to the people that hear it to not be top-notch. Because I know it will be. I know it will be. But pray, I, I pray to the people that listen to it. Let them hear it as foolishness. Because David knows you can have the greatest counsel in the world, but if you don't do it, if you don't listen to it, it's not going to help you. So he knows with Absalom, all we need is for Absalom to not hear the wisdom in it. That's it. I just need Absalom to not hear the wisdom that will come from Ahithophel. Because he knows that Ahithophel get it. Now, here's another, just a, off, a little, uh, little rabbit trail for you. If you ever wonder why it is that ministers of God, men, women, whoever it is, ministers of God, who operate under anointing, still operate under that anointing when they have fallen into sin. Because if you were God, you'd shut it off, wouldn't you? If you were God, if the minister, if the prophet, if the evangelist, if whoever it was, if they fell into sin, you just cut the spigot off. No more anointing for you. You're done. Isn't that what we do? How many people, that's what, if you were God, that's what you would do? Yeah, but that's not what God does. God does not cut the spigot off. And David knows this. God, I know you're not cutting the spigot off. Ahithophel knows how to walk in that anointing. And he is going to continue to walk in that anointing because God does not turn it off. You can take it up with God when you get to heaven, but I think you have other things in your mind when you get to heaven. You probably won't be doing it. But this is how God operates. He's done it all through history. This is what he does. He does not shut off that anointing. He didn't shut off the anointing on Aaron, this high priest, no matter what it was that he got in. He didn't shut off the anointing on David, no matter how much sin he got in. He didn't shut off the anointing for Saul, even though Saul went in the direction that he did. He still was anointed to fight Philistines. He didn't shut off the anointing for Samson, despite all the stuff that Samson got into. And we can keep on going on. He does not shut it off. David knows God does not shut that off. For, for me to pray, shut off that, that spigot, that's not a good prayer. Ahithophel is going to receive it. What I got to pray is that on the receiving end, people don't hear it. And that's what he prays. One sentence long. He's not going along here praying for a good report. He's praying for, for this. Now, when you get a bad report, you have a choice of how you're going to respond. How, how, what are you going to do? 
you can believe the bad report as being final. Well, you know, you got this condition, and most people have that condition. They're dead in a year. Oh. But you don't have to have that response. There's another response people have. They try and convert the doctor. I'm going to convert this doctor to be a faith person, faith man, faith woman. And you start preaching at the doctor. If you're trying to get the doctor over in the faith, doesn't matter if you get the doctor over in the faith. It's not going to change the report he's got. That's the report he's got. He's got the report. Here it is. You've got this. According to what we see, most people live about a year. Well, I understand that. No, you get a bad report from somebody, just smile. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. How many people watch the show Monk? The one episode of Monk that just rings them. I, I think of it every time I come to this aspect of the Christian walk. Every time I come, I come to this one. There was a time when he had ingested some poison. I mean, remember he, was, he took some poison? And he's going to die. And so the doctor was trying to relay this news to him. And he was telling him, he says, all right, now, you're going to have, and he listed, I think, four sim- symptoms. You're going to have uh, uh, some headache, nausea. You're going to have some uh, this. And I think the third symptom was, was uh, you're going to vomit, throw up, and then death. And he said, wait a minute, doctor. What, what was the third one? And he went through all four of them again. Yeah, I, I, I know. But what was the third one again? You're going to vomit. C- can we skip that one? Can we go right to the death? No, you're not hearing me. I'm telling you. No, 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 I heard you fine. But can we get right to the fourth one and just skip the third? He, he couldn't stand throwing up. He couldn't stand vomiting. Yeah, it just was one of his, his things. I thought, that is so funny. That's how we ought to look when, when we get bad reports. Just, uh... <laughs> Just don't let it phase you. Oh, let's skip right to the death part. That's just, uh, just re- you re- reply somehow different than the world wants you to, to go. You don't have to go that way. If the doctor is coming and he's going to tell you, well, according to what we have, you're going to die in a year. Thank you very much, doctor. Appreciate that. And, um, and off you're on your way. It's just smiling. You see, if you believe the bad report, then you're going to be all down. Father God, I did not believe you for a good report. I believed you for healing. And I thank you that my healing is on its way. I thank you that my, that healing is working in my body. I don't care if he can see it. I don't need him to see it. I know it's working. You just go off and you're smiling and having a good old time. See, you can't believe God for a good report. But you can pray for, God, give me wisdom what I should be asking for. Give me wisdom what I should be, be doing. He'll give you that. And then you can pray. This is just such a phenomenal prayer. So glad this thing is in the Word of God. Turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Now verse 32. Now what happened when David had come to the top of the mountain where he worshipped God. All this bad stuff is going on. I think that might get a little bit down on the, the low part. But he gets to the top of the mountain and he worships God. Mountaintop experience. I don't know. My picture of this if you are with a huge crowd, he's got hundreds of people with him, and you are at the top of a mountain, where would you strategically want to go? Down the other side, where you can't be seen. If you're at the top of the mountain, Jerusalem's over here, they can see the top of the mountain. Which way did David go? 
Do you think he might be in that group of a thousand or so people over there on the top of the hill? Nah, that's probably not him. <laughs> if, if you just go down the other side, you'd be hidden. He's at the top of the mountain, and he worships God. I'm sure that there's some military people by him. That's their anointing. They see David stop and worship God. David, this is great. We want to worship God here with you. But can we get to the other side? Can we just kind of go over the mountain? Just just get out of sight. Just just over here. I mean, we're still high. But can we just get over? No, no, no. We need to do it right here. I need to just stop and worship God for a little while. On the top of the mountain. When David had come to the top of the mountain where he worshipped God, there was Hushai, the archite, coming to meet him with his robe torn and dust on his head. David said to him, If you go on with me, then you will become a burden to me. Isn't that great to hear to your friends? This is a, this is a long-time friend. A tie, short friend. One day. Hushai, long-time friend. Been around for, we built, long-time friend. And you see your friend coming up to help you out. You say, you know what? If you go with me, it's just going to be a hassle. I mean, he's just going to slow me down. I, I really don't need you on this trip. And, uh, you know, if you come with me, you're not really going to be all that much of a help. How many would like to hear that? <laughs> as, as a friend. Obviously, they have a good standing friendship and can speak things to each other. So Hushai the archite coming to meet him, robe torn, dust on his head. David said to him, if you go with me, then you will become a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I was your father's servant previously, so I will now be also, I will also be your servant, then you may defeat the council of Ahithophel for me. Oh, look at this. There are times, people, we want a miracle from God. We want something to change from God. And all we do is say, oh, God, change the situation. Oh, God, make this thing better. Oh, God, make this thing go away. Oh, God, stop this thing from happening. David's praise turned the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. He sees Hushai coming up. He's a friend of his. Obviously, he has been in this capacity before, or he would never be accepted in that capacity now. He has been a counselor for David. And he says, all of a sudden, wisdom comes to him. And God shows him a plan. You prayed for that counsel to be turned into foolishness. Send Hushai back and let him speak alongside of Ahithophel. Hushai, here's your assignment. You need to turn that counsel into foolishness. If you return to the city, you will say to the king, I was David's servant. I would surely be his son's servant. Then you may defeat the council of Ahithophel for me. And do you not have Zadok and Abiathar the priest with you there? Therefore it will be that whatever you hear from the king's house, you shall tell the Zadok and Abiathar the priest. Indeed, they have there with them their two sons, Ahimaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son. And by them you shall send me everything you hear. So Hushai, David's friend, went into the city, and Absalom came into Jerusalem. What a trip out of town. Instead of getting all lost and all the woe is me and all the victim stuff that could be going on, on his way out of town, he sets, through the wisdom of God, he sets up a communication system where he is able to find out what's happening in the city and what is happening outside the city. He picks up people who will be a help to him on the trip and he sends one person back who will be able to stop or defeat 
the counsel, the wisest counsel that a king has ever probably had in Ahithophel. All that on a trip out of town. Most people would have been complaining and he is setting things up. You look at most people, they come back from a bad report. They come back from a doctor's report. They come back from some other situation, whatever it might be. They got a bad report and they come home wallowing in the feelings of the bad report. David could be wallowing in the feelings of the bad report. Absalom has risen up against you. He's got a rebellion. They're coming. Uh, This thing is strong. This is not going away. And instead, he stays in faith. He keeps listening to the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God keeps telling him things. you got a health situation going on. The Spirit of God could be speaking to you. Speak to this part of your body. Speak to this thing going on over here. Speak to this aspect of, of stuff over here. And he's going to keep on telling you what to speak to to keep things going and to keep things like what you need them to be. Oh, God, God cares about it. He wants to keep you in that way. Listen to him. This is what David does. He keeps speaking to those situations. David is hurt by Ahithophel's betrayal, but it does not make him afraid. Psalm 41, verse 9 Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. More than likely, Ahithophel is in mind here. Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. See, his prayers that he does, these are ones of faith, they're not fear. A lot of times we make prayers of fear don't be making prayers of fear. Shay, I sent back with an assignment. Understand, this is a dangerous assignment. This, he's not just telling him to do something. I'm just going back there and keep on doing what you're doing. No, if, if it's discovered what he's doing, he's dead. His family is dead. They don't just kill him. They'll go out there and they'll kill his family. In fact, probably they'll go out and get his family, kill his family in his presence, let him watch it, and then kill him. David did not wallow in the disbelief. He sees an opportunity to put faith into something he can do. No matter what the report is that you get, don't put any faith in the report. Keep your faith in God. Keep your faith in God. Listen to what God has said to do. And keep doing those things that God has said to do. I tell you stories all the time when God has shown me things about my body. Do this, do that. And he he shows me, keep doing this. And uh, I told you the story was back, I think it was 2017, and the people from Rothman, they took an x-ray, they looked at my hip, and they said, you will not run anymore. That's what they said to me. You will not run anymore. Your running days are done. No, I don't let the emotions get me on that. I said, okay. <laughs> and I, I just let God develop, and God developed a plan. It wasn't too, it wasn't too long. We got it back back going again. In fact, I'm running more miles, and I check some of, the, some of the charts every once in a while. I go back and check some of the charts. There's a couple of groups that I'm in. I'm in one group of 50,000 people. I'm in the top 75. I'm in another group of 1,000 high-end runners. I am number seven or eight or six in the list. I've got some other ones that are even bigger than that. <laughs> and but why? It's not that everything feels great every time I go out. There's sometimes I go out, and I got some pieces uh, talking to me. 
I got some things that are, but what do I do? I quote to him. You are not stopping me. My God told me that I don't run anymore. I, don't, I haven't raced in years. I don't run to race. I don't run to get better. I don't run to get faster. I just run because I like to run, and I run to keep everything moving. As long as I keep on running, everything is going to be moving. And so we, because <laughs> I need to be moving. I don't have any job anywhere. doesn't require me not to be moving. I need to be moving. So we, we keep ourselves moving, and we just keep, uh, keep going at it. But there's times my body is talking to me. I talk right back to it. My God told me this. And, uh, and I just go on. I don't keep fretting on it. I just go on. This is what we're doing. This is what my God said. The enemy is always going to try and get you to have a report from a doctor, a report from an employer, a report from friends, a report from your body, a report from your house, a report from all sorts of things. Reports will come from all over, and they will try and get you to be discouraged. See, it doesn't pay you to serve God. You keep serving God. You keep doing these things. And look at all this stuff that's happening to you. People around David might have been saying that same stuff. I think if any of those people were close to that, David made sure he didn't bring them with him. We don't need you coming along. Now, David did not build a support team for this crisis. David did not have this crisis in mind when he built his support team. He did not think that his son was going to rebel and take the throne. He's not thinking that. Somehow this is all going on and David either ignored the signs or just didn't see them. Whatever it might be, he ignored them. Didn't see them. But he did not build a support team for this crisis. He built a support team because he knew he needed one. He needed a support team. He had a support team and he continually grew it. Whenever he saw somebody who could be part of the support team, he added them in. He brought them along. Oh, there's a person. They have these skills. Let's bring them in on our support team. And he began to, to sow into them. He began to, to do things with them to get them to be even better. So whenever he had to rely on them, they were ready and willing. Got to be ready and willing. Now, it could be a situation that's brought on by him. It might be a situation that's brought on by others. It might be a situation that was brought on by the enemies of the kingdom. He didn't care where it was coming from. When he needed the support, he needed the support. Because the kingdom of God needed the support, he made sure that he did the things that were needed so that when this stuff happened, he's not on his own. He's got people that he can set up the communication with. He's got people he can send back and defeat the council of Ahithophel. He's got people that will come along with him and be the swords and be the fighting forces that come along. He's got these things in place and he brings them along and he puts them in place and he lets each one do their job, do what they were called to do. Now, i put this in your outline for you. Support teams don't grow out of complaining, disputing, pity, and other non-faith or flesh reactions and emotions. You do not grow support teams this way. If you constantly are complaining, disputing, always walking in self-pity, or whatever other non-faith or flesh reaction or emotion, if that's what you're wallowing in, if that's what you have, you build no support. The people that could be supports to you don't want to support you. They, they don't want to help you. 
The people who could be supports to you, you haven't developed them. You haven't helped them along the way. You haven't sown into them. When you're going to need them, they won't be there. So here's, here's what you got to do. They grow out of faith-filled words and actions. They grow out of faith-filled words and actions that you sow, instill, and or demonstrate to others. That's how you get your support team. Be speaking faith-filled words and have faith-filled actions. Let people see your words of faith. Let people see your faith actions. Let people see this and you can begin to go out there and you sow, you instill, you demonstrate these things to the people that God is bringing along for your support team. You may have some people in your support area that could be support people for you, but you can't recognize it because you don't see anything good out of them yet. But that good thing can come. Understand, we've gone over this principle before. Not everybody on your support team does everything. David had some warriors. Warriors were not counselors. Ahithophel was no warrior. But he was invaluable in what he did. Hushai was not a warrior. David even says, you're going to slow me down if you come along with me. They're going to keep saying, uh, we've got to slow down. Hushai is still in the back. Can't, can't be having that. I, I know you too well. It's going to take you a long time to get over there. No. The only reason he caught up with them, it seems, because David stopped to worship. He'd probably still be back there. He knew the skills. He knew what they could do. He knew that the warriors, you can't depend on them to do other things. David has to have a skill level all over so that he can pick out the ones who will be a good counselor. In order to find a good counselor, you have to have a bit of good counsel in you. In order to be a good warrior, you have to have a good warrior in you. In order to, to have the people that he needs on his team, there's got to be some small remnant of that on the inside of him so that he can recognize it in them. That's what made him the king. That's what made him the candidate to be the king. God developed this stuff there. But he didn't have to be the best at any of these things. All he had to do was learn how to spot it, learn to develop it, and when the time came, rely on them. And here the time came, and he relied on them. Next week we're going to take a look at the next chapter because this next chapter has something that is a doozy. In fact, what is it? The next chapter is the thing that actually attracted me to this story for this very purpose, but we really needed to get through 15. But I was pretty sure we were not going to get through 15 and 16 all at once. We're not going to get through all of this story here on our Sunday morning. You'll have to read some of this on your own to, to get the rest of it because it actually comes over several chapters, this whole incident with Absalom the whole leading up to the battle, the battle itself, and the aftermath after the battle goes over a number of different chapters. We're not looking to get over all those, but we will be into chapter 16 next time because there is a truth here. Oh, it will help you out in getting your support team and getting these things ready. But do understand, we can create our own problems simply by believing the reports that come to us. You can make a small problem a worse problem by how you respond to the report that you got. Don't make it a worse problem. 
I, this is just on another, another area, but you know, there's, there's some medical conditions that once they diagnose you with that medical condition, they put you on drugs to correct that medical condition. Once you have those drugs, those drugs cause another problem in your body. And so then they have more drugs. We will give you these drugs to counteract the uh, problems that these drugs caused. I didn't have those problems before I started taking these drugs that you gave me to counteract this condition that you said was going to kill me. And so then you start taking the secondary drugs to come back to things in the, the primary drugs, and then some other problems come in. Doc, I've got this thing going on. I've never had this before. Well, that's probably because of the medication over here, but it's okay. We've got a medication for that too. And then pretty soon they're giving you that medication, and pretty soon you've got 25 pieces of medication that you're taking in a day, and then they give you, the, you get in there for a condition, some other condition. Oh, well, we got to give you on this antibiotic. We got to put you on that. And they didn't check to find out all the 25 things you're on. And they put you on a, on a drug that clashed with another one that you're on and killed you. Now, that happens a lot in this country. A lot more than they'll tell you. But there's a lot of deaths related to drug interactions. Because there people, they put some folks on so much medication that they can't uh, tell these things. You see, it's our response to what was going on. When you had that first condition, go to God. God, what can I do about it? Now, a lot of times God will say, just do this. Just, just take this. And when he says it, listen to him. I had a condition that was going on in my body. I don't know. How do you know how long it goes? 15, 20 years ago? It, it kind of came up. And I said, well, God, what do I do about that? God showed me what to do with it. Never had it occur again. Now, I keep doing what he told me to do. But you haven't had it for 15, 20, don't matter. He told me to do it. I don't stop. If God tells me to do something, I don't quit it. He doesn't have to tell me every year. Now, remember you were doing over here? Do it some more. There was a, um, uh, Matt told me about this, this company that makes these uh, uh, things that you, you know, the, I don't know, not vitamins, uh, just supplements. I guess that's the best thing for it. And it's a supplement, and he was telling me about this company. I don't think he uses them anymore, but I still do. And I was reading over the things for, for a joint. It's supposed to, you know, it's joint health is what it is. It's not glucosamine. It's not uh, what is the other thing that they, they put on there. And if you read the pages on this, this thing that they give you, it's, it's long. I mean, it is long. And they'll tell you why we don't use those ones. Those things are nothing. That's what it tells you. This is, and they go over all the things that are in there and, and what it's for. And um, so I said, you know what? I, I like that. I'm not really having any problems. But I like some, you know, something that, that makes your joints healthy. It just gives the joints nutrition that they need. And I, I like some of the things they were saying about this. And so um, I don't even know how many years ago. It may have been seven years ago. It may have been ten years ago. I don't know. But I felt this is the only one I felt in my spirit. That's a good one. Get on it. And so I, I started taking it. I still take it today. Still take it. Just because ten years ago, whatever it was, I was felt in my spirit. Yeah, that's a good idea. Go ahead and take it. I was reading up on the site. And they had all these testimonials of people who would write in and say, I had this great, I had such joint pain. I started taking this and 30 days it went away. I said, well, I can't write them any testimony at all. I didn't have any pain before I took it. I don't have any pain now. <laughs> Why are you taking it? Because I felt in my spirit to do it. God does not have to tell me things two and three times. If he tells me to do something, I keep doing it until he tells me to stop. I don't, I don't keep going to God. Well, God, should I keep on doing this? No, if he tells me to do something, I keep doing it. I don't stop doing it until he says, you don't need to do that anymore. This is what you need to do. 
Don't make God have to keep coming at you and saying, hey, remember I told you to do that? Get on it. Now, if you've got something that God told you to do to help your body and you haven't done it yet, repent and get back to doing it. And if God is still telling you, still working on you to, to do it, don't raise your hand about it. But if, you're, if you've got something, God's been telling you you should do that. If he's telling you, there's still time to obey. If, there, if he wasn't telling you anymore, there wouldn't be time. But if he's still telling you, you know I told you to do that, that means there's still time and you still have the ability to do it. Yeah, but you don't know what I face. I don't know what you face. But I know that God does. If he tells you to do it, do it. Hope this last part you get down. Support teams grow out of faith-filled words and actions that you so instill and or demonstrate to others. Make sure your words are faith-filled, not complain-filled. Make sure you're not disputing. Make sure you are speaking. Make sure you are sowing. Make sure that you are instilling these things in other people. If you want them to support you, you've got to build them up. Help them get to the place where they can. When you get people to the place where they can support you, you will also get them to the place where they will want to support you. That story with a tie is amazing. One day, he just came yesterday, and I want to go with you, and I don't care if you die. I want to go. That's somebody who wants to do it. I mean, we sometimes can't find people to help us move. <laughs> He's ready to go pack up all his stuff, follow after David, and die doing it. Because if you will speak faith-filled words, if you will sow into people, you will make a support team, and when you need it, it will be there. By the time David gets to the place where he is at, he has set the stage for him to win. We're not going to get to this part of the story, so I'll read this part to you ahead of time. When Ahithophel sees that Absalom follows the words of Hushai instead of him. He knew instantly God's hand is not in what we're doing. Up till then, he thought God's hand was in it. But when he saw that Absalom followed after the words of Hushai, because Hushai appealed to his pride, and when he appealed to his pride, he mistook that for wisdom. And he followed after Hushai. Ahithophel goes and he gets his house in order. He gets everything taken care of, all the documents signed, and kills himself because he knows it's over. It's over. It's not going to work. David had set things up. So even before he won the victory, the wisest counselor that the king ever had could see beforehand. Yeah, this victory is already, already there. We already lost this before the, even, before the first battle was even fought. That's how much God did this. But David learned to listen. If you will learn to listen and respond, God will speak to you about your situation, be it health, be it finance, be it employment, be it whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. You're facing the crisis. David faced the crisis, but he had his support team in place. And God told him how to use it. Would you all stand up with me? Father, I thank you that you care about us. You care about the situations that we are in. And your desire is that we become and we be victorious. That we don't come under a bad report, but we stay over it. That we react like David did 
when we hear a very devastating report. We don't get emotional. We don't get angry. We don't get hurt. We don't get into pity parties. We listen to what God has to say. This whole thing could have been David's creation. Maybe he didn't do some things that he should have. Maybe he didn't listen some places where he should have listened. But whatever it was, when he turned to you, you were there to help him get out. And you will be there to help us get out too. Even if we have situations that maybe we ignored some things, maybe we didn't listen properly, maybe something we did on our end wasn't right, you still want us to be victorious. And I thank you for the help that you give us. You will speak to our spirit. You will tell us little things to pray just like David did. And you will set an order, a pathway for us to win. Give you the glory and the praise for it. We thank you. We are in the victor circle. And you are the reason we're there. Glory be to God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, if you didn't listen to that teaching from Brother Keith, pick that up, go out there and listen to it, and then this week, get out there and slap the devil down. Slap the kingdom of darkness down. It's a great visual. Oh, yes, where did I put that? I think I must have left it over there. And all our, all our thing. Sharon is, um, uh, she's back at work tomorrow, and so she, she'll have access to her emails, and she is uh, in a bit of a uh, standoff with the, thank you, with the employer, because the employer wants uh, all their people to get the vaccine, and she has decided that she does not want to get that. So she's looking for a favorable response. She's been away from that for a couple weeks. So uh, tomorrow will be the day, and she will get to see what's going on in there. She is looking for a favorable response from her employer that she would not have to go in this direction. Glory to God, that can come about. I've been hearing a lot of uh, people giving testimony that, yeah, my employer said I don't have to do it. And so we, we agree with that. Father, we just thank you and we just stand with, with Sharon on these things that you have given her wisdom on how to answer them. You have given her wisdom on what to speak and what to stand on. Father, I thank you that that wisdom comes from you and that you will make a way. Even where there doesn't seem to be a way. We don't put our faith in some court case that might come up. We don't put our faith in something legislatively that might go on we put our faith in you you can use all these other ways you can bring things about with them as well but our faith is always going to be in you because even if we see these things fail we know that our God never does give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus name Amen glory to God have a good rest of the week and bless some people before you get out of here hopefully next uh, next Sunday we'll see more of our our folks making it all back.